Can you imagine your life where money is your friend, working with you to achieve all your dreams and desires? If you struggle seeing money as your friend, then join Kathy Cook Noble, financial advisor and educator on understanding how your money can work for you. It is possible. Now, here is Financially Speaking with Kathy Cook Noble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Inspired Choices Network. I'm Kathy Cook Noble and you are listening to Financially Speaking. And tonight we are going to talk about health and safety. First, I want to tell you a little bit about myself in case uh, we haven't met. Uh, either cyberly or through the airwaves somehow. Um, I am, a, during the day, I'm a financial advisor and a book, I have a bookkeeping business. And we like to look at numbers and talk about numbers and see all the fun ways that we can make our numbers work for us. So that having said that, the whole show is about how numbers are fun and how we can understand um, how to understand our numbers in a fun way. And that's what we've been doing. So today we are going to be talking to Karen Cook and I've brought her in actually because she is our director of training at the Bookkeeping Plus at our bookkeeping company. And the the training that we're going to be talking about is health and safety. And the reason we're going to be talking about that is because it is such a huge important topic and it's a very hot topic right now um, for those of our friends that are in the United States. I know you are hearing a lot about uh um, health and safety and different training that's coming up. The Canadian friends, specifically here in Ontario, we've had a, a new legislative change with the Employment Standards Act, which is something that just came out this January 2018. So there's always lots of things that are happening. You always hear about people getting hurt at work or or something happening with the company or the fines that they get or anything that, that could happen where a company either to the extreme and they, they can even shut down. So we, I invited our director of, of training, Karen, with us because this is her, this is her baby. This is what she does day in and day out, and she knows that she's got a vast amount of experience, and uh, she's been doing it for a long time. Karen is a health and safety expert as well as a licensed first aid instructor. She has served businesses, she saved businesses money from implementing the proper health and safety programs as well as avoiding Ministry of Labor fines, which of course we all want to do. Um, with the background in healthcare and firsthand experience of the importance of proper health and safety training, she started her career as a nurse and has spent many years helping patients recover from uh, health issues and returning, helping them back into health. Uh, she was an instructor at the college and she's had a lot of experience in health and safety. From seeing the effect of a poor health and safety practice um, that's had on people's lives, she's taught at the college the importance of proper procedures, awareness, and implementation of good health and safety initiatives. She's armed with over 20 years experience, her master's, master's degree in education and licensing, such as first aid. She is on a mission to protect businesses and families and keep them safe and healthy. So, Karen, welcome to Financially Speaking. Thank you, Kathy. It's a pleasure to be here today. What a wonderful introduction. Well, we're excited to have you here. I know... Um, I know I'm a little bit on the inside because you and I work together and you run our training department and I know how important it is, but I, I don't think a lot of people that we run into, um, me on the financial side and you on the training side, really understand all the changes because um, really there's a lot of changes and they're happening kind of quickly, aren't they? 
They are, and they're constantly changing, and there's just today some new changes that are going on that will be implemented in the workplace as well. So uh, before we get into the details of uh, some of the specific courses and some of the training that you might do, tell us a little bit about um, what the health and safety is all about, like why people need to to have someone come in, to, to have you come in, uh, what different things you might be looking for or you might find. Um, just share a little bit about what you do and how you approach what you do with uh, with new clients. Sure, I can do that. So the Occupational Health and Safety Awareness Training actually became mandatory in July of 2014. Uh, and the purpose of this training is to improve the health and safety for all Ontario's workforce. So there are many requirements, regardless of your workplace or size of the sector, that we need to look at. So what it does is it actually establishes procedures that help deal with workplace hazards. And it also provides enforcement of the laws where compliance may not have been something that uh, was actually taken care of. So it is actually something that helps to protect workers, all employees, whether it be supervisors, uh, owners, it, it protects people in the workforce from injuries and fatalities. So when we talk about health and safety, this isn't just one of those nice, fluffy topics that were, oh, wouldn't that be nice if we had a nice and, a health and safety committee? And wouldn't that be nice if we all looked after ourselves and took care of ourselves? There's actually a lot of legislation that surrounds this, isn't there? Yes, there is quite a bit of legislation, and it can be tricky. Uh, some of it's a little difficult to understand, and there's so many training uh, uh, modules that it might be difficult for employers to determine what do we need in our workplace. And that's where you come in. So you would go in and and uh, meet meet with the representative of the company, whoever that might be, sometimes the owner, and then you would go through that with them, wouldn't you? And 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 then you'd kind of just take all those myths of what they're hearing and what they think they need. And and frankly, there are a lot of acronyms and a lot of bill numbers that they all have to know. And you you would translate that for them, wouldn't you? I do. I have read all of the mandatory and legislative legislative training. And I've gone through all of it. I've organized it. I've looked at what are the minimal requirements for every single sector of workforce in Ontario. And then as a specialty workplace, say, uh, a healthcare facility, a construction facility where you're working at heights, what is the different type of training that they need? And I have organized them all so that when I do go into a business, I have my checklist all available, the list of all the training, and what they would be required to have that would meet the legislative requirements for the Ministry of Labor. So it's when we talk about businesses, and I know we've had this conversation before, um, when we're talking about businesses that need health and safety training, we're not talking about um, necessarily the great big Fortune 500 companies or the publicly traded companies, or we're not talking about just the small, you know, one or two employee company. We're talking about all of them because every single one of them at different levels require different parts of health and safety training, don't they? So there's really no exempt, there's no uh, sector of the world that's exempt from health and safety, is it? 
No, that's absolutely right, Kathy. If you have one employee that works for you, you need the training. That's yeah, and most people aren't really aware of that, are they? So when you go in, you're you're really starting from an education uh, with what they need first, aren't you? Yes, yeah, sometimes it's quite an eye opener because small businesses that might have just a few employees aren't aware that they also need to comply with the mandatory Ministry of Labor training. So when I go in, I speak with the owner or the representative. We go through the checklist. We go through the training. We figure out how many employees they have and kind of who needs what at what time and what legislation needs to be regarded as mandatory. So maybe we can... uh jump into some of the different types of training you can translate for us. I know there's a whole bunch of acronyms. WIMIS is probably the most uh, popular one, wouldn't you say, that most people would have heard of because it's been around the longest. So what is WIMIS? WIMIS is actually the Workplace Hazardous Material Information System. So what WIMIS does is it allows everybody to learn how to use chemicals, It tells you what the first aid measures are on the chemicals, how to handle the chemicals, what the symbols mean, and what to do should you actually get some of this chemical on you. So that kind of works into the first aid training because you learn how to take care of the cuts, wounds, abrasions, or burns that might come along with getting any of these chemicals on you. And um how often do you have to learn or redo the training in WIMIS? Is that something that people take once and forget about it, or is it something they have to take and and renew it or retake it again? Uh, usually training is good for about a year, and actually WIMIS just changed about two years ago now. So the first WIMIS that everybody took was actually designed in 1988. In 2015, they implemented a new WIMIS course, And they now are saying, the Ministry of Labor is now saying that all businesses and all employees, supervisors, employers must comply with the new 2015 WIMIS. So anybody that has been trained previously to the new one, some of the information has changed and actually some of the symbols have changed. Oh, wow. So because that doesn't happen very often. They've been the same symbols for an awful long time, haven't they? They have, and sometimes people that I've gone into train, and even in the first aid courses, because we look at a little bit of it, are quite surprised at the change and what the symbols now mean, because you're programmed since 1988 to think, oh, this symbol means this, and now they've changed it. So it's a whole new course. So just to back up a little bit to talk about the health and safety, um, Can you maybe, I jumped right into it because I was excited to start sharing, and I know there's so much information that you have for people, but uh, I'd really like them to get to know you and how you got into the field, why you got into the field, because um, I know from, obviously, from experience, having worked with you for a long time, that uh, you didn't just wake up one day and say, I think I'll do health and safety. Like, you've actually had some some personal experience there, too. If If you'd like to share a little bit with that, that would be great. Well, uh, starting out as a nurse uh, for many years in the healthcare field, I was required to take first aid training. And uh, first aid training lasts for three years. So every three years, for many, many years, I took the training. And one day I thought, maybe I should teach this. 
So I started doing that about 14 years ago. And that kind of started me into the Ministry of Labor because the first date is actually a mandatory course that an individual needs to have in a workplace because each workplace needs to have one first aid and CPR certified instructor on each shift at whatever time that business is open. So if you have three eight-hour shifts, you need one person on each eight-hour shift that is certified. So goodness forbid your person goes home sick or injured, you would need to make sure you had somebody else there. So it started out for me as taking the first aid and then uh, teaching it and as well being a nurse, watching, seeing people, what happens in injuries. And unfortunately, I did experience a horrific workplace uh, injury, which ended my career in healthcare and uh, nearly ended my capability to walk and work. So I had to kind of change gears a little bit. Exactly. Um, and the first day that you mentioned, you know, most people think that, Oh, if you're a nurse or in the working in the healthcare, the healthcare profession, like either in a nursing home or a hospital, that um, you wouldn't need that. But the truth is, you actually do, don't you? It's not just you got your nursing diploma or degree or whatever the medical certification you have. Like those guys are actually taking first aid all the time, aren't they? Yes, and the first aid has to be up to date. It is not allowed to lapse. And before you are ever able to leave your program at your college or university level in whatever healthcare field you're going into or um, whether you want to be a personal support worker, a registered practical nurse, a healthcare office assistant, a medical office assistant, a registered nurse, any but an ambulance attendant, you must have first aid training and it has to be submitted to your educational facility. And in order to obtain a position in your field, you need to show the documentation that you actually have that first aid certification. Wow. Um, that's, it's, it's really the emphasis on the importance, I think, is um, Sort of, to me, that's the part that's really missing. When the government comes out, and it doesn't matter what province or which country, when the government comes out with legislation, they say, you must do this. I think they're missing that um, really important part. I know some of the commercials you see that they advertise about people getting hurt in the workplace, but um, it's so important, the the training, especially the first aid training. I think that that's something that can even translate into your home life, isn't it? Oh, yes. With first aid... You can learn how to, well, you do learn, well, because I teach this, and of course I teach as a certified instructor through the Red Cross, which has actually just changed their whole program. So the first aid certification is relatively new as well with all of the changes that have been implemented in the last six months. But the first aid will teach you how to prevent injuries, how to take care of somebody during an emergency, and how to take care of somebody after an emergency. That could be a loved one, a coworker, a spouse, a child, yourself, a stranger, or yes, even your dogs and cats. Oh, yeah, because there is actually training for that too, isn't there? We forget. Um, sometimes you, people get thinking, oh, I just got to check this off the list, get that training. But uh, I think the, the human factor is so important to look at because you're exactly right. You're, you're, this is the potential to save someone's life. And at least, if nothing else, it teaches you to, to remain calm so that you can implement the emergency procedures that need to be implemented, doesn't it? 
Absolutely. And that's actually the very first thing that I try and tell my participants is that if you can do nothing in an emergency, the scariest thing is that, doing nothing. And it's amazing to me how many stories I hear about injuries and accidents and cardiac arrest and strokes that I hear from my participants and they say to me, nobody called 911. And if 911 hmm. isn't coming, nobody's coming to save that person who may be there lying, dying on the ground. Wow. So that's just a huge takeaway right there. If nothing else, know to call 911, isn't it? Yes, it's amazing how many people do freeze in emergencies and forget. And maybe 10 minutes later, you call 911. Within 10 minutes, a person would have permanent irreversible brain damage should they have experienced a cardiac arrest and stopped breathing. And and do you find, because you're in a really unique position, I think, and I think it's really a, a fantastic and special position where you have had so many years in the healthcare profession that somebody coming into a first aid course who, like me, right, I, I'm in finance, we don't talk a lot about first aid in that respect. I mean, we have to have it, and we have it, and that's great. But people like me who are dealing with numbers and that sort of thing, um, we don't have that experience to say, yeah, but we've Somebody like you could say, but we've seen the effects that it has, either by doing it, by doing something or by doing nothing. And, and you got you get to see that follow-up. So when you get to come in and train, you have that experience to, to teach more than what, say, I would, if I were to uh, go in and teach. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't have that experience to draw on from the hospital and the healthcare sector, would I? No, it definitely comes in handy having been in the healthcare field for about 20 years or so and then teaching in the healthcare field as well. So I am always up to date on the Ministry of Labor rules and regulations and the first aid training and really all rules and regulations that go along with the healthcare field, what the expectations are. And I mean, the stories are endless with the different emergencies that I've come in contact with, having started in geriatric care and ending in eMERGE care in the operating room. That's fantastic. And and when we come back from our break, we're going to take our first break now. I'd love to hear more about um, the stories that you see and how they tie in. And then we're going to talk about like AODA and Bill 168, 132, and all these other crazy acronyms and, and legislative uh, re references. So we're going to take our first break. And you are listening to Financially Speaking with myself, Kathy Cook-Noble, on the Inspired Choices Network. We have a guest with us, uh, Karen Cook. She is our training, our director of training for Bookkeep Plus, and she is a health and safety expert. We are, we will be returning and discussing more about health and safety. We will be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. 
This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to Kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I am Kathy Cook-Noble on the Inspired Choices Network. And today we are talking about health and safety, and it can cost you money. We have our guest, Karen Cook, with us, and she is helping us understand all the important pieces that come together for this health and safety puzzle so that it keeps us safe, it keeps our families safe, keeps our businesses safe, and the employees and staff that we work with. So before we went to break, we were just talking about health and safety, um, required training with first aid and WMIS. We talked about those a little bit. There's an awful lot of legislation here to get through in Ontario specifically, Canada in general, and I know in the United States. They may not be exactly the same, but the sim- there's a lot of similar concepts that overlap between the different jurisdictions. So we're just going to focus on the one because for our friends that are in the United States that actually do work with with the Canadian companies in Ontario, um, these are all pieces that you're going to need to know about the business. It's not just about if you have widgets you sell and selling them and bring them across the border. You still have all this um, the, all this legislation you have to comply with if you have a business here that's a satellite office from your one in the United States or in another province even. So, Karen, just getting back to some of the uh, different terminology for health and safety, I know I mentioned AODA and Bill 168, 132. Maybe if we start with AODA, you can tell us what exactly that stands for, for starters, because I know a lot of people, and I've heard it with different clients of my own in their businesses, they throw the term around, but they actually don't know what it stands for. So that's one part of it. And then what does it what does it do? What's the purpose of it? And what's the requirement to be compliant with it? So what is the AODA one? Well, AODA is Accessible Ontario Disabilities Act. So there are different trainings available for supervisors or workers, but basically what that is, in a nutshell, is understanding human rights. So what you learn is how to communicate and work with individuals that might have disabilities. Now, those disabilities may not be apparent. You might not see them. You might not see that somebody might have a mental illness that they are on medication for. We can't tell sometimes looking at people. You might not know that they might be a little hearing impaired. So you can't necessarily tell if somebody is disabled. Sometimes you can. They might be in a wheelchair. They might walk with a walker or a cane or a limp or a prosthetic. So what this does is it teaches the workers and the supervisors how to accommodate a person with a disability because no matter who you are or what your ailment may be, it does not define you as a person and you can absolutely, and I speak from experience, work to the full potential at 100% with your disability. And workplaces must have this training because there are quite a few people out there that do have some form of disability. And when we do training on this, what would the training entail like are we talking about different types of disabilities with it or or are we talking about how people treat people with disabilities can you what kind of training do you do you do on that 
Well, the training looks at accommodating individuals. It gives you information about certain disabilities. It helps you to communicate with a person that might have, say, a speech impediment or a, a vision issue or a hearing issue. So you learn how to communicate the different forms or types of communication. It sets up the employment standards that a workplace must adhere to to accommodate individuals that might have um, some form of disability. And it really looks at understanding how that person might feel and really respecting the workplace for everybody. And how often do they have to do training on the AODA part of the health and safety? Well, a lot of the training depends on the workplace, but most of the time the training will usually last about a year. And if you were to work at a workplace and be trained and say you went to another workplace, your training carries over. So you are still able uh, to use that training at any workplace as long as you're within the time frame. So depending on where you work, what sector you're in, uh, what training that you take, because there's different AOD training for different sectors, and that depends on how often you need to take the training. So each business is unique, and there are actually dozens of training available under the AODA section. So it really does have a lot of factors that depend on how often you need to train and keep up with the different types of uh, services that are offered. So it's no wonder that a lot of businesses are confused because it's not a one-size-fits-all with the training um, for AODA or for any of them, really, is it? No, and there are quite a few different ones to look at. And when I go into a business, I have the general minimal mandatory training. uh, And then we look at what is the sector, and then we look at how many individuals work there, and then we need to put together more training on top of that. Now, with the AODA, with the, is that similar or is it the same as the first aid when you said that you always have to have somebody on staff, on shift, that's a certified first aid representative? Is that the same with AODA? You have to have one person that's on the shift or do you have to have more than that? Or how many people do you need that are, are trained in AODA? Every employee, every supervisor, every manager, and every owner that works on site in their business is required to have all of the mandatory training. The first aid is a little different. I think everybody should be first aid trained, and as, as a healthcare professional, we've always had to have it, and I'm very happy that the Ministry of Labor has now said every sector needs to have somebody there because it's so important. But the first aid training is a little different. You need to have one person on at all times, but with the AODA and Uh, WMIS and Occupational Health and Safety Awareness Training, Workplace Violence and Harassment, which are your Ontario Bills 168 and 132, those are for every single person who works in any sector of any business. So uh, since you mentioned the 168 and 132, and we did mention a little bit before break, can can you just talk about, so let's start with 168. Bill 168, that sounds pretty... uh, serious and hard to understand and it's very formal and legal. Uh, Do we need a a lawyer to translate that or can you tell us what is Bill 168? What is that? Bill 168 is actually workplace violence training. So you uh, would be trained in 
how to avoid workplace violence, how not to be violent in the workplace, how to handle that. And violence isn't necessarily being punched or hit. Violence can be verbal. It can be psychological. It can be physical. It can be sexual. You cannot touch a coworker. It doesn't matter. You can't put your hands on somebody. That can be considered some form of violence. Uh, and it, it could be a look. It could be the way you treat somebody. It could be uh, the way that you book a shift or knowing something about somebody. So if we knew somebody was disabled and wasn't able to do a certain job because of their disability and they were being booked for that, that could be considered a violent workplace. So we learn how to manage the violence in the workplace, how to avoid it, how to report it, what is the chain of command on how to report it? Do I talk to the coworker? Can I talk to the coworker? Do I feel confident enough? Am I scared? Do I go to my supervisor? Do I go Normally, you go to the coworker, your immediate supervisor. If nothing happens, you work up the chain. And goodness forbid it wasn't resolved, then you can go to the Ministry of Labor and they come down and inspect the workplace. So this is actually, um, it's all joking aside about it being very legal, it is very legal, but there's a very specific system that you follow and that you yourself would implement when you... Uh, go into the business and you do your review and your audit of their health and safety status, like you actually have a specific order of instructions on how that would be followed up and, and what you'd be looking for. And, and I'm assuming there'd be forms that you have them fill out if there was a complaint made. So that all exists under that Bill 168, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Yes. It's, it's very much laid out. We follow the form. And it's taught exactly the way that the Ministry of Labor wants it done. Yeah. Um, and do you find that most businesses are compliant? Are they not compliant? Are they even close to compliant? Do they even know they should be compliant? Like, where, what spectrum do they all fall on? Well, I do find that many businesses that I go into don't realize that they needed a lot of this training because they were a small business. And, uh, I mean, small businesses make up over 80% of our community. So uh, it, it's amazing that we don't think we need that kind of training because we are a small business. But the Ministry of Labor doesn't care if you have one person or a 1,000 people. And it's funny that you mentioned employers that may or may not have been compliant because the last blitz that the Ministry of Labor went out and inspected showed that 72 out of 103 employers were not compliant with the law. Wow. And how would they even know about the law? When you're a small business, like you're, you got to be the health and safety department, you got to be the finance department, the marketing department, the ordering department, the accounting department. Like, how do they even know this stuff? Like, where would they even come to think about it? Well, you might not know that you need it. And if you were starting out in your own business and really weren't aware of the Ministry of Labor as far as training and occupational health and safety, which most people aren't, they might not be trained. Um, I've belonged to some business groups and attended business meetings, and there's been many uh, business owners that didn't realize that they needed even first aid because it's just me and somebody else or me and a couple of people, and we have a small business. And they don't realize they need the first aid training. But that's just the minimal. 
the Ministry of Labor uh, has done really well in laying out what you need. However, it's very difficult to maneuver the site to try and figure out what do I need. There's no place you can go that says, hey, here's the checklist for my business. That's what I provide. Wow. And if you don't know that you're supposed to say you don't know you're supposed to have a first aid certified person on staff or you don't know that you're supposed to have AODA training, does the Ministry of Labor or does the government in general say, well, that's okay, we understand you didn't know? Or do you, are you still subject to fines or do you get in trouble the same way as if you did know? Well, the Ministry of Labor does not look at the fact that we may not know that we need this training. So what happens is the Ministry of Labor goes out and does their inspection blitzes pretty much all the time. So what they'll do is they'll give a business 10 days written notice and let them know that they're coming to inspect the business. So they come out to your business and they make sure that you have everything that they require. So they look and see, do you have an occupational health and safety board? Do you have all the mandatory posters up on that board? So if do you have the health and safety at work poster? Do you have the in case of injury at work poster? Do you have the employment Ontario standards listed in your workplace? Did every employee receive that, that uh, document? Do you have your booklet for the occupational health and safety? They look to see if you have a first aid kit. They look and see if you have a first aid person that's trained. They want to make sure that every single person that works there has had the basic minimum occupational health and safety awareness training. And then they look at the different types of bills, 168, 132. They look at WMIS. They look at the Human Rights Code, AODA training. And uh, they want to know, do you have a health and safety representative? Or if you have more than a certain number of employees, do you have a committee? And then they want to know, show me where you keep your list of training. And if you say, I didn't know or I don't know, they can actually do a few different things. And it really does depend on the inspector. So what they can do is they can say, we'll give you a certain amount of time and you'll be able to go ahead and make sure that all of your employees are up to date with all of the different types of training. So they might do that. They also might they might shut you down. So depending on the severity of what happens, they could shut you down. Recently at one of the inspection blitz actually there was an injury of a person that actually happened at the time the inspector was there and it was a machine and the machine guard wasn't on, and the person was injured. It wasn't a fatality this time. But the inspector stopped everything and made the workplace change the, put the actually the machine guard back on, and then they were able to go ahead and finish their work. Wow. So we are coming up to our second break, and we're going to take a break. But when we get back, I want to know, uh, what? How severe are the penalties? Like, so you can, I know you you mentioned you, we can be all the way up to shutting down your business, which would be very se- severe since you're not generating any revenue. But what kind of fines or penalties? Because I know both sides of the border, the government gets penalties, and and that's cold hard cash. And you know when we're when when you're the numbers person working in the finance department, 
then you're looking at how much it's going to cost and that translates into a whole lot of issues with the company on cash flow and and investments and and you know new machine purchases and all that kind of stuff so when we come back from our break i want to ask you about penalties and fines and how much they can be and how long you get to pay them and if they give you time and all that stuff so we're going to take our our second break tonight you are listening to financially speaking with myself kathy cook noble and you're on listening to the inspired choices network When we return, we're going to continue to discuss health and safety and how it can cost you money with our guest, Karen Cook, the Director of Training from Bookkeeping Plus, and we will be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I am Kathy Cook-Noble on the Inspired Choices Network. And today, our show topic is health and safety. It can cost you money. We have our special guest, Karen Cook. She's Director of Training at Bookkeeping Plus. And before we went to break, we were just uh, getting educated on what Bill 168 is. And Karen was talking to us about uh, the possibility of the Ministry of Labor in our particular case right here in Ontario coming in and just a range of talking to you to shutting you down in total from your business. And I was just asking her about fines and penalties and, and what they range in, in dollar value from because, uh, as everybody knows, I like to know about the bottom line and, and how is this going to affect us money-wise. I mean, it's not just about the injury to the person. I mean, that's severe on its own, and there's so many things that can can uh, happen around that and affect their lives and their families' lives. But if we just looked at it from a dollar-cents perspective... Um, what's that look like, Karen? How much How much does it cost? Do we get penalties and fines and who pays them and where do they pay them and do we get to write it off on our taxes? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> well, as we're on financially speaking, let's talk about the bottom line because I think that's the most important thing when it comes to the success of a business is really what's going on with your money. So as far as penalties can go, the Ministry of Labor actually acts in accordance with the Provincial Offenses Act. And what happens is the Ministry of Labor inspectors do have the authority to issue tickets or summons for minor Occupational Health and Safety Act violations, so not being compliant. So if they came in and they came to your workplace, so you get your notice, 
They come to your workplace. You don't know what you need. They say, show me all the training because you need to keep records and you say training on that. And they start. Let's see if you have anybody that's first aid training. You say, no, I do not. And they will inform you of the rules, regulations, and laws regarding that legislation. They have the right and will most likely issue a ticket right on the spot up to $1,000. That's pretty standard for them to give you a summons for $1,000. And so that's if you don't have a health. <laughs> yep. That's just maybe for one fraction. If you had 10, you might be paying $10,000. Wow. And is that just for something as, and I don't mean simple, but for something as, I, I don't have somebody trained in health and safety first aid. So if I don't have a first aid instruct, a first aid certified person on my, my shift, I'll get up to $1,000 in fine for it. But is that for, what if I didn't have my AODA training too? Would, could they do the same thing or would it just be, well, you're not compliant with all of it, so we'll just give you a thousand bucks? Well, if they determine that your non-compliance could be looked at as severe, what they can okay. do and hold on to your hat because it's going to pop right off your head when your blood pressure goes through the roof here. For all you small business owners out there, here it is. You can be fined up to $25,000 or imprisonment. However, if you're a corporation or a big business, you can be fined up to $500,000 and you still have to become compliant in a certain time frame or those fines double. Wow. So my guess is it's significantly cheaper to have someone like you come in and do an assessment and get people trained than it is to pay 25000 or even 500000 in fines. Like a first aid course doesn't cost quite that much, does it? Oh, we're not quite there yet, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's definitely worth it. And it's not just the money value. As a healthcare person who's been in the field for years, I have always cared for people. So, of course, my bottom line, working for anybody else is always people. I do realize money is a very important factor. We all need to make it. I understand that. But with first aid, with all these mandatory trainings, workplace violence, harassment in the workplace, AODA, safety awareness, it doesn't matter the training. It's helping yourself, keeping yourself safe, keeping your employees, your employers, your coworkers, your family, your loved ones, and, yes, yourself safe. So it does, as it is mandatory, it absolutely does present these fines. And I, as a small business community, $500,000 in fine might actually be the end of your successful business. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, when you look at it, just from the financial perspective, it's a lot of money. And a lot of companies they they just don't have that. They couldn't afford it. They would be out of business. And when you said about shutting the them, you could shut a company down if a inspector came in. That would take them out of business. Really, the fines wouldn't it? Yes. And even if you your business shuts down, you still have to pay those fines for not being compliant. And if I may, just very quickly uh, tell you about a couple of um, incidences that. They are actually on the Ministry of Labor site that have been finalized this year. In Toronto, there actually was an employee 
who was working on a roof and fell through a hole because of a skylight that was removed. And he received $55,000 because the company had to plead guilty for failing to protect him while he was working on the roof. And the court actually imposed what's called a victim fine surcharge. And this is mandatory through the Provincial Offenses Act. And where this money goes is it goes into provincial government fund to assist victims of crime. And it's 25%. So on top of the 55000 they paid 25% of that to the court. Another incident was where a gentleman was working at a factory in Scarborough, and the, the guard was off the machine. He put his hand in to fix something. He didn't lose his hand or any fingers, but it was pretty mangled. And he had to go to the hospital, and he, was, he received $60,000. The company was fined 50000 from the Ministry of Labor. The owner was fined $10,000, and the court imposed a 25% victim fine surcharge on both the 50000 and the 10000 So just And these were just settled. So just a couple of reasons why having this training and this legislation in place might save you and your business. Wow, that is a lot of money, and 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 really, this is the one area that I think is super super important for businesses to focus on because it costs a lot of money to uh, be out of staffing as well. So if somebody gets hurt or is or is sick or under the health and safety uh, regulation, so if, for instance, in that case, he for having that person out of work, even though. They're able to come back and they're able to be healed. To have that them out of work is such a huge cost as well that people don't look at. They just look at the fines and they think, wow, we could pay, you know, $60,000. They paid in fines in total. And they don't, that doesn't even account for the fact that that particular person was off work or they had to replace that shift or they had any kind of um, other payments that they would have had to make for, for helping him. So, like, there's a lot more to it than just the fines, isn't there? Oh, yes. And that's why uh, businesses adhere to the WSIB, the Worker Safety Insurance Board, because when you are injured at work, it's not just a matter of uh, the company paying you to be injured and the fines that come along with it, like you have mentioned, but it's a matter of you're going to pay for that person to be off. All of their treatment and care and associated fees are paid for. Then you have to replace that person temporarily to do that job you have to make sure you're compliant with the changes that might have caused the injury and should that person come back and everything is still the same so that injury might happen again because we didn't change anything that person can refuse to work you still have to pay them the ministry of labor comes back down now you are possibly into double triple your fines and the and or imprisonment might become an imprisonment. Wow. So when you go into a business, give us an idea. With the, I know we, we don't have a lot of time left, but just run through an idea of what you would have to go through with, a say, a, your compliance checklist. Like what things would you be looking for to assist the business owners? Sure. The, the, what I do is I, after going through everything on the Ministry of Labor site and adhering to... Um, all of the different legislations and having my own, you know, uh, possibility of, of getting on to all of the training, 
I've put down a general checklist. So the first thing we do, and this general checklist is mandatory with every single business that's out there, whether you have one employee or a thousand. So what I do is I take in my own checklist and I talk with the person who's either the owner, supervisor, the person who's maybe the health and safety rep. And then we go through and we, I, I bring all the materials I need to set up their occupational health and safety board. So I have all the mandatory posters. I bring in the occupational health and safety booklet. We go through their business and look for their first aid kits, make sure they're stocked with uh, what would be a general first aid kit. And I mean, you can make your first aid kit. You can buy a first aid kit. I mean, Band-Aids, pretty popular and items like that. So we go through that, make sure it's full. Then I look at how many people are first aid and CPR trained. If they're not, we set a date to get them trained. Then we look at the occupational health and safety awareness, which is mandatory. So do the employees have it? Do the supervisors have it? If not, we book a date. And then we move on to Bills 168 and 132, which are, again, mandatory, the Sexual Violence and Harassment Plan Act. And then we look at the training for the Human Rights Code, AODA, and the Integrated Accessibility Standards, which are the three main Ministry of Labor legislative training, which is mandatory. Then we need to make sure that everybody has the brand new, well, brand new to Ministry of Labor at this time, so the WMIS training for 2015. And then we make sure that, depending on the amount of employees, that they either have a health and safety rep or we need to put together, if there's a certain amount of people, a joint committee so that there's always somebody on for different shifts in different areas. And then we look at the different unique trains that might be associated with your business. So if you work in a construction business or a business that requires somebody working at heights, there is the heights, the uh, mandatory falls and heights training that needs to be taken too. So it depends on what sector you're in, and then we look at the training that's mandatory for that sector. Wow. So that's that's awesome. So that goes through a comprehensive list that helps the business, and there's something that you write down and you say, here it is, this is what you need, this is what you're missing, and this is how we can fix it. And that that, that on its own not just saves money, but I'm sure it saves a lot of peace of mind and, and uh, safety for their staff. Cause I mean, I don't know any employers that aren't worried about their staff and want the best for them because if they're happy and do well, obviously the business does too, right? That's right. And you know, uh, and an important thing along that line is being safe at work. And as long as the person feels safe at work, they're going to do a good job. And as an employer, I would want my staff to be safe because we don't want to end up having the Ministry of Labor come down and have to deal with all the associated issues and signs that go along with not having a healthy and safe workplace. So I wanted to share before I forget or we run out of time that if anyone wants to get a hold of Karen, they can they can uh, contact her directly at her email address. It's Karen, K-A-R-E-N, at bookkeepplus.ca. She is the director of training, and she, you actually answer your own emails, don't you, Karen? Oh, yes, I do. Absolutely. Yeah, they go to her. This is an important topic, and Karen oversees it herself, and I, and I know because of her experience, uh, both on the front line working in health and safety and also from working in healthcare and, and being a in a particular circumstance where she was the victim of, of some health and safety uh, 
policies that weren't quite in place. Um, she takes it quite seriously and, and really handles the calls right away. She's very quick to get back. So if anybody has any questions or even if you just need the checklist done to see if you're compliant, it's super affordable and doesn't take long. It's not painful. Most, I, I think, Karen, I hear that people are happy to see you, especially over the Ministry of Labor people. So um, when you see Karen walk in, you you get excited because you know that uh, she's only going to help you stay compliant. So I just want to thank Karen for coming on tonight and sharing with us all the health and safety tips because it's so important. And I know a show like my, what we're talking about here, financially speaking, I talk a lot about money and, and profit and loss and how you keep more of your own money. This is a great way for starters to keep more of your own money, especially as a business owner and avoiding the fines. But more importantly, it's really the right thing to do to help your, your people and uh, make sure that they know you care and that they are safe when they're coming to work and they're safe when they're at work because that all affects your productivity and your bottom line too. So if people are coming to work and they know they're safe and healthy, then that's productive and it certainly adds to the bottom line because you know you have the safety. So Karen, thank you very much for joining us tonight and sharing that. And again, if anybody wants to reach out and talk to Karen, please email her at karen at bookkeepplus.ca. Next week, we are going to talk about what I think is a super fun topic, and I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think life insurance is a lot of fun. It's a lot of excitement. And we're going to talk about life insurance and can we live without it. So I get a lot of questions in my line of work about life insurance. Oh, and the stress of it. And I don't need it. But you know what? We're going to take all the myths of life insurance out. And we're going to say, listen, what kinds of insurance are there? Do we need it? How do we figure out if we need it? How long do we need it for? What kind do we need? And let's just talk. Let's just rip that Band-Aid off real quick and see um, how much, how how it's not painful at all. So I promise it will be painless. And we're going to talk about life insurance next week. So that'll be exciting. So So please join us next week where we talk about life insurance and whether we can live without it. And thank you all for joining us tonight. I am Kathy Cook-Noble on Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network. And until next week, I encourage you to live your numbers and embrace your finances so that you can change your life. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for choosing to listen to Financially Speaking Radio Show. Kathy Cook Noble will return next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspireChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by making the choices that bring you all that you desire.